Hey, if you've been listening to JC and Morgan for a while, then you know we are so proud of our sponsor, BP Skinner Clothiers, because he continues to serve you folks and make sure you get the very best in men's clothing. There's some people that do business well, and there's some people that are just head and shoulders above the rest. And if you want to look your very best, deal with a guy who's not only the best in his area, but he's one of the best nationally. That's why so many people throughout the country call on Brent Skinner. He will meet you. He will come to you no matter where you are in America. That is right. You just set up an appointment. He'll have everything ready, all the materials to pick all the sports coats, the suits, uh, custom-made shirts. He's got accessories. He's got shoes. He's got belts. He's got pocket squares. He's got ties. I'll tell you what. People tell me all the time how good I look. I never used to hear that before when I wore suits from random chain stores. It just makes a difference. You'll feel that difference, and you'll feel better. Again, their store is stocked with spring sports coats, ties, pocket squares, shirts, and their team will take every precaution to ensure your health and safety while shopping during these rather difficult times. But Brent Skinner is going to keep it real and keep it easy for you. Go ahead and give them a call. 803-661-7665 to set up an appointment. 803-661-7665. Mention you heard about it on JC and Morgan. You'll get a free custom-made shirt with any purchase of a suit or sports coat. That's Brent Skinner of BP Skinner Clothiers. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Welcome all to another installment of J.C. and Morgan, the college football podcast you've come to know and love and miss when we're gone for an extended period of time. It hasn't been that long. It's been a week and a half, so we're a little bit longer than normal. We have uh, we had a guest last podcast. We're going to have a special guest. It looks like on the next one we're trying to uh, collaborate in this world of Skype versus Zoom, which is uh, it's same but different is what we're all learning. If you watch TV these days, you, you realize almost every interview now on any type of uh, talk show is is on that kind of format. So many of them are anyway. Uh, so we're all getting used to those formats in one way or another. But in this particular format, uh, he's J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports and the TheBigSpur.com. He's in the lovely Windy City, Chicago. Mm. I actually see sunlight peeking into your, your window there. So I'm, I'm assuming... It's not twenty degrees and no, snowy. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually it actually snowed two weeks two weekends ago, and I was uh, like six inches. Um, of course, <laughs> I've kind of been stuck up here since this virus uh, kind of came about. I've realized what people talk about when they talk about Chicago. If you're from the South, you're not really going to worry about it. Oh, May through October ish, you know, because it's you know seventies. It's very pleasant. In some ways, it's it's more pleasant than the, than the South because of the, you know, it's not ninety eight degrees most of the time. Um, but the months of February through April, <laughs> that's a little bit winter sort of lingers uh, around here, and so um, that was probably the last snow of the year. I'm hoping, and uh, 
Then uh, it rained uh, today some, and it's it's rainy, but it's a it's a pleasant sixty degrees outside. So oh, uh, sixty degrees! Yeah, that's that's uh, it's ba- okay. it's ba- balmy, Mike. Good and it's for you. Supposed to be seventy three this weekend. My uh, significant other's birthday is this weekend, so oh, yeah. th- there will be some grilling that takes place, hopefully, um, and uh, and all that. So. Um, <laughs> In a mask and uh, in a mask, and you know we got uh, everybody stockpiling on a couple respirators, you know, just to, <laughs> in case you guys are feeling amorous. Uh, well, that's good. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. It's uh, let's see. T- yesterday was gorgeous here in Atlanta. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm Mike Morgan. Uh, good to talk to you, folks. Uh, when were there actually games being played? You can catch me on ESPN and the SEC Network. In the meantime, I've been bunkered in like so many here uh, in Atlanta, where it's. Uh, about 70 degrees yesterday was 80 and sunny and just beautiful. Uh, and you, you hearkened for what it would have, would have been perfect baseball weather, maybe some, uh, some great spring football weather. And you just started thinking about, uh, this is, this is a good time to be a sports fan. And then you were reminded of the fact, well, maybe not so much as of right now. Um, you know, I'm in the epicenter, JC, we always used to say, Particularly when you were back uh, in Atlanta as well, we're you know we're broadcasting from the mecca of college football, which Atlanta kind of is in so many ways. It's such a great melting pot of college football fans, be it SEC or uh, Florida State, Clemson, et cetera, what have you. We got them all down here. Uh, lately, we've been the uh, the mecca of controversy because I guess in a lot of ways we're the first state to completely open up. And that happened last week. And so I have so many friends from other states that are like, well, what's it like? What's it like? I, 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 I turned on CNN and they made it sound like it was the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, first off, like, like, <laughs> like I always say, we're in a different age of media and journalism has uh, it, it's taken on a new form. So you really got to be careful where you get your information from. There's nothing apocalyptic about Georgia at all. Uh, The governor uh, opened up basically on a on a basis of you can go ahead and open up, but it's kind of on you. And if you do open up, you've got to do this, that and the other in terms of safety guidelines. So most restaurants here are still not open. I mean, I'm keeping Uber Eats and DoorDash in business if they were struggling uh, they're not struggling anymore because that's uh, – I like restaurants. I, I like to eat out a lot since I can't. Uh, I'm doing my part, particularly the local ones. I, I really do want to keep the local ones in business. The chains I, I'm not as concerned about. Um, you know, I can't get a haircut right now. My, my normal person is – they're not open and she's not available. Um, there are still some places – there's a local golf course uh, those that follow me on Twitter, Morgan on Air, it's a beautiful golf course about three miles from my house at uh, Chastain, but you still can't play there because Fulton County just just decided you can't. So people have used that as a park. So people are walking all over this golf course with their dogs and their kids, and they're playing frisbee and they're just using it as an 18-hole park. Um, uh, this there's not much traffic here because most people still aren't going to work because most businesses still aren't open. So all it did was just provide an avenue to where businesses can at least get ready to get open. But it was never going to be like a light switch. So no matter what you've heard about Georgia, Atlanta, 
from the various uh, news outlets that you might follow. Uh, I would venture to say, depending on what outlet you do choose to follow, most of it is overwhelmingly false, paints an incredibly negative picture that's not true. Uh, a couple other states that I'm familiar with that have lived that I've lived in, Florida, starting to open up, uh, and South Carolina, a state that you, both you and I have lived in, J.C., doing the same. Uh, the governors are going to lead the way on this, and I'll I'll tell tell everybody who's listening how this is going to link to college football later. In fact, not too far off. Um, but I'm just giving you kind of a a week in the life of JC and Morgan here, uh, because I think we're all just trying to figure out what what is normal for everybody else. I know we have people that listen to this all over the southeast and beyond. Um, and you know, as I as we got ready to come on today there's another and i I watch a lot of these probably more than i should but a lot of conferences with the task force and today dr fauci talked about a new drug or not a new drug but a drug remdesivir which apparently can potentially block the virus and you don't see dr fauci he's not one to be overly emotional but he actually seemed excited about this particular drug um and it seems like testing is going in the right direction. I mention all these things because it really is hard to know who to believe anymore. Uh, it's it's incredibly sad and dangerous and inconsiderate. And I hope you folks remember the people that whatever news source you go to, I hope you remember what some have chosen to do with this whole situation, which is to politicize it. I mean, you've got some reporters that go to these conferences and they could care less about the actual giving you information, realistic information. They have loaded questions. They have agendas. They have this, they have that. You have one news outlet that says everything is hunky-dory. You have the other one that's everything is doom and gloom. And you almost feel like it's tribal tribalism at its worst and, and politics at its worst. And so it's really, upon everything else that we have to be discouraged about, that to me is someone who, again, has a background in journalism and broadcasting is just really, really sad to me. So I'm just trying to come up with uh, actual information that is is helpful and, and and give you a little bit of taste. You're up there. I'm down here, JC, uh, of what's going on. I've got family down in South Florida. As I told you, I took a flight there a few weeks ago, wore a mask and gloves. Um, so I know what it's like to get on a plane at this point. Uh, I've, I've been in what, three different states since, since this thing has happened, including Kentucky, which has a governor that it still has a travel ban for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but every, everywhere is different and everything is different, but I do think if you, and this is not biased at all. My only interest in all of this is for us to get back to normal, back to safety and yes, back to uh, normalcy in sports as well, which is what we talk about first and foremost. And I do think we're headed in the right direction. So where are we now? What is the latest? And we will get to the news on name and likeness because that bombshell, it, it, it's been dropped today in in a form in which it's no longer speculative in nature. I, I think it's almost an inevitability. This is going through. This is going to happen for 2021, 2022. You can make book on this. So the way you have followed college football and basketball, uh, it, it, it has, it's going to be changed forever. This is not like a minor detail. This is not a little wrinkle. Um, this is not like, well, should, 
should we change the transfer rules and make them not have to sit out for a year? This is much more radical than that. And we'll get to that. And we'll get to, I thought it was interesting. The NFL draft happened as I predicted on this podcast, record ratings. People can't wait to have any excuse to have an association, a connection with the sport of football, be it college pro or both. And uh, of course the SEC dominated that once again. And and I want to get your thoughts on, uh, going all the way to the genesis of that, which would have been high school recruiting. Uh, but let me just pass along a couple of things earlier today, because again, there's so many people out there. I don't know what it is, JC. I, I, I think some people truly believe that the more cynical that you sound, the more um, overly pessimistic that somehow that makes you sound more sophisticated I'm here to tell you this just in, it doesn't like I watched an interview with Pete Thamel today of Yahoo earlier. And I mean, it, I, I wanted to grab a bottle of scotch and just, you know, check myself into a depression clinic because everything, everything that he speculated was just overwhelmingly negative, And I don't even know why we should consider having a seat. And I, I just was like, that's not what I'm hearing from people. Um, you 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 sound intelligent or above the fray by telling everybody in late April that there's virtually no chance to have a football game played in the fall. At the, uh, to me, that doesn't make you sound intelligent necessarily. And if you have really good inside sources, they're different than a lot of other people because there's some people doing some great reporting on this, including Brett McMurphy, who's talking to a number of athletic directors who make it sound like this is going to happen. I've spoken to four ADs in the last two weeks. I know about half of them in the SEC. I know a few in the ACC. I know a couple in in lower divisions. And I can tell you just based on them, the closest thing to a consensus that I found, they believe. Now, obviously, the ball can always move on this, right? The goalposts can always change because we we can't predict everything that's going to happen medically. But if you start looking at the data, we, we are going in the right direction in a lot of different ways. I've been told the chances of us, the season starting on time, September 5th, if you don't include week zero, is roughly 75%. 75%. I've also been told that chances are you're not going to have sellout crowds. You're going to have maybe 20% maximum capacity. Uh, So here's... What I've been able to just kind of gather, and I'm not saying I'm Mr. Inside Source on this. Don't take it to the bank. I don't care. It's not important to me to break stories or be the one that said I got it right. I, I don't care at all. I just want a season. I just want to get this thing cranked up. I want people to be healthy, and I want people back in college, and I want people to uh, be able to enjoy the great game of college football. So he- here's a couple of things. Uh, that you're not necessarily hearing from various outlets because it's just, uh, you know, taking the most pessimistic viewpoint. And like you and I have been talking about for about a month, there's no harm in being positive about this. And and we're not being Pollyannish. I I think this is pretty uh, objective feelings about this. I mean, look, I want college football as much as the next guy, but my life won't be over if we don't have a season. So I have no reason to like, just flat out be blinded to the truth. The magic number, according to the NCAA football oversight committee is six weeks, six weeks of training camp before the start of the season. Now I know they'll tell you we need eight. 
right? An extra two weeks in the weight room. Six weeks, and you can be ready. They can be ready to play football. Now, week one is September the 5th, and with all due respect to week zero, it's not like last year where we had Miami-Florida, a real blockbuster game. You look at the slate of those five games in week zero, and there's none to really write home about. Week one is September the 5th. That means July 27th would be the date that you'd want people on the field practicing in order to be ready six weeks later. Now, that's three months from now, July 27th is, give or take, nearly 90 days. So here's what I would say, and then, JC, I want you to chime in on this because I know I've been long-winded already. Uh, Is July 27th a hard and fast date? No. Could it start a month later? Yes. Will we have 90,000-seat stadiums full? In my opinion, extremely doubtful. Will schools that don't have their student body allowed on campus participate in college football? No. Whether you agree with that or not, whether it's a simple caving to the optics of it and taking a PR hit, everybody seems to be in agreement. If a particular school doesn't have its student body on campus, you won't you won't see them participate in college football. That seems to be a fact at this point. Will we have college football in the fall? The ultimate question. My best guess still, as we sit here closing out the month of April, is yes. With that one caveat, and this is big, there may be some schools that simply elect not to play based on geography and based on the governor of their state. The, the governors are going to play a much more important role than Donald Trump is from this point on. The governors can, again, you've heard the, the term federalism a lot. And it's, it's taken us back to our middle school civics classes, et cetera. There's, just like the election in 2000, if there's one good thing about things like this, it makes you learn certain things. It's, it's like a rehash. I feel like I'm back in school uh, and, and making up for times that I was probably sleeping or playing paper football or something. Um, remember paper football is a cool little game. Awesome. If, you, if you kick the triangle in the right angle, you could awesome. get it through the, the thumbs. Um, thank you. So it, it, we might see a situation, for example, um, in the big 12, Actually, I'm going to give you a better example. In the Pac-12, where California schools can't participate because their governor has decided college kids can't go back to campus, or the colleges themselves can unilaterally say, we don't believe it's safe. We're not going to have our student body uh, on campus. If that's the case there's a good chance a conference like that would not have a full boat of teams. Now, as a number of Power 5 ADs have said anonymously to the Brett McMurphys of the world, that doesn't mean we're not going to play. That doesn't mean we're not going to have a season. In fact, one AD told him, quote, we can't afford for a few boats to sink the fleet. <laughs> Love that quote. And that's that's reality. Reality is... The people started crunching the numbers, and I said this uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, this whole notion that there's this bottomless pit of money that all these colleges work with uh, and all these athletic departments work with, it's not what you think it is. Yeah, it's nice when it's going, but if you stop it, all of a sudden you're already seeing – you're seeing Power 5 coaches take salary cuts. 
you're going to start seeing jobs being lost, and you're going to start seeing more and more sports being lost. So they all know what's at stake here. You can't go. You can't go another year without having a college football season and a college basketball NCAA tournament. Everything that can possibly made can be made to happen or make those things happen is going to happen. So you got a school, a conference like the SEC, the Big Ten. You got eleven different states. In the ACC, you got schools from from ten different states. You might not have a consensus because those are eleven different governors. Those are a minimum of eleven different institutions with eleven different school presidents. You might not have everybody on board. I'd be surprised if everybody in the SEC wasn't on board. But there's some other leagues where it might not be a consensus. But I still think what you're looking at in that case, and we've already had schools like Alabama, LSU, Missouri, Purdue, Miami, Iowa. I said, said kids are going to be back on campus in the fall. But in the case that they're not, and that school bows out for the college football season, you might have a situation where the schedule has to be redone, recalibrated, because you're not going to have a full boat of teams playing in your league. That's what I see in my crystal ball here in the last uh, waning days of April. Yeah, that seems to be, from what I've read from athletic directors and from what I've heard, that seems to be the case. Um, Now, there's a lot of theories flying around out there. I think that you know, as a last resort, we're looking at a spring season, which wouldn't be terrible. Uh, at least they would get it in. Um, there are some people that I've talked to that, that, that think that, you know, they may play eight, nine games and, and limit that to teams you can drive to, which would pretty much torpedo all conference play. Um, you know, I don't know how they determine the playoff and all that after that. Uh, but But what I've heard more and more is, is it's either going to start on time with a, a redone schedule and the teams that can't participate just won't. Um, or maybe it starts the 1st of October. Uh, if, if that would get more teams to kind of, you know, fall into line. You know, the, the California thing is amazing to me. California is a state of 40 million people. Their numbers have been relatively low with this mm-hmm. virus. Um, yet I, I think it's on – I think they like to think they're on lockdown. And there's also some legal and constitutional things, Mike, not to get political here, that that have to be addressed about this. Now, I don't know that it'll trickle down to college football, but, you know, basic freedoms. Um, You know, in the state of Illinois, people people that think about Illinois, that you think Chicago, um, but when you hear land of Lincoln, Lincoln didn't grow up in Chicago. It's Chicago and then a vast prairie of rural communities, <laughs> uh, with the exception of the St. Louis suburbs and maybe Springfield. So, you know, this governor here um, has decided to lock down the entire state till the end of May um, based on Chicago, which is one county out of however, however many. So folks downstate have sued him. And the judge in the case said, hey, you trampled all over the Constitution, um, so, so I don't know that outside of it being a mere suggestion, you know, governors certainly can close businesses during emergency times, but I don't know that you could force people to, to stay inside. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's constitutional in the United States of America. Um, and I think, you know, depending on how, if it works its way through the legal system and governors decide, hey, we can't do this like we've wanted to do it. It's going to be in their best interest to allow life as usual to come back with some mitigating um, requirements. In other words, like you mentioned, 
I do not think there are going to be 85,000 people at a football game this fall. Um, I would be surprised if, you know, I think they're going to take the hit with ticket sales, allow people to go into these stadiums, spread out, practice social distancing. There will be some crowds, but they won't be big at all. I don't think you're going to look at it with no fans, but I think fans are going to be limited in person. Um, which, which, you know, Hey, if it's between that and not having a season, that's fine. Um, you know, the, the people in the parking lot, the cell parking spaces are probably going to be upset, but that's okay. Um, you know, and so I think that as the, the legal ramifications of this and as Americans in general of all political stripes, uh, continue to get sort of fed up and you see the numbers come in and it's not as bad as they said and, you know, people are losing their jobs and they're out of work and all that. You know, as the people, you know, we fundamentally in our country, the people decide, you know, that that's that's in the Constitution. We the people, you know, and I think as the people in America decide that they're fed up with this and that, that they're not going to, you know, they're going to challenge, you know, some of these things that that that, you know, when we start when we continue to get to get data that it's and I think in a lot of cases, you mentioned California, it's it's been a little bit harsh little bit unnecessary. You know, I thought I thought in Chicago when I looked at the numbers, I was like terrified. You know, cuz I'm kind of stuck up here right now with with all the orders and stuff and I was terrified when I looked at those numbers cuz and Chicago is the third largest city in the country. Compared to New York City, Chicago's numbers are very 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 low. Now, the governor's going to take credit for it and say it's because of social distancing and all that. <laughs> but but the bottom line is, you know, it's 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 you know, it, it hasn't been as bad as people think. And and I think the test cases, Mike, are you, you are in the epicenter. You're you're right there. All eyes are going to be on Atlanta for a while. That's a major city, top ten population wise. Uh, you and I know it's 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 a crowded place from time to time. Um, although it is more spread out than, say, in New York City, if the numbers don't spike exponentially, and by God, the media, they're, they're trying to make those numbers spike. I mean, something very unfair the other day, you know, I saw an article that said eight people died in Atlanta today right after Kemp opened the, the state. Well, and look, I'm not a Kemp fan. You know, I think his interviewing skills are terrible. And, you know, but we'll get into that at some other point. Um I thought that was very unfair because, you know, those people that have expired from the virus, it's not like, you know, they went to get their nails done and came home and died. Right. You know, right. They're at the end of a two-week cycle, so they obviously caught this, you know, before anything was lifted at all. And so I think that's very unfair, and, and I think that it's not the numbers now. It's the numbers in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And I just don't think Americans are going to stand for it, you know, uh, unless these doomsday predictions somewhat are approaching the truth. I, I just don't think people are going to stay inside. And, and I think if you're a sports team in the state of California or coll- collegiate sports team, you know, you can't do much about it if you're UCLA or Cal. But if you're Southern Cal or Stanford, you know, you can go out of state and play if you want. I mean, it, it's it's not, you know, the, the, they're not state-supported schools. They're private. And, and so – you know, I, I think that a lot of it's going to depend on what happens in the states that open up and what are the people going to want uh, at the end of the day. Because, you know, th- again, fundamentally, you can do all the emergency orders you want and get on TV and talk about staying inside and 
Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, can be a star in her own memes and walk around with a whistle or whatever the hell she's doing. But <laughs> this is the United States of America. All right, we 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 don't you you can't quarantine the American people indefinitely based on something uh, that, that clearly throughout this whole thing, you know, has not been as bad uh, as once was once what once what once what was projected. Now. That being said, next week we're going to cross a threshold where more Americans have died with coronavirus, according to what they've counted. And they've counted every single person they could possibly die of it. They've counted them. Uh, then died in the entire Vietnam War. And, You're already there. It's, and, it's, yeah, it's over 60 now. I think Vietnam was, what, 58, 58 change. Yeah, so it's, it's you know, <clears throat> that, that, that uh, and, and my heart aches for the loss of life there. I mean, it's, it's, that, that's unacceptable. It is a tragedy. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm very sympathetic to people that have gotten it and recovered because it's a nasty, some strains of this are very nasty, but I think we're also seeing with some of the new data and some of the new projections as they test for antibodies that a lot more people probably have had this thing than we thought. And uh, there have been a lot more people, the vast majority of people have not been negatively affected by it. And so, you know, you you get into, and and people have to make this call more morally, you know, do you, like you said earlier, do you sink the fleet because of a few boats? And, and my answer or my projection of that would be that's that's not going to happen. Um, and I think, uh, to your point, uh, governors that that uh, want to continue to keep people just kind of sheltered for another, I don't know, two months, three months, the rest of 2020, um, as families go bankrupt, businesses go bankrupt, and everything else goes bankrupt – uh, that's when the people finally unf- they just say enough is enough and and I think see I very often when it comes to and I can't compare this really to anything but in in matters of controversy turmoil what have you I listen to the people that don't talk the loudest and if you notice like the 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 ADs of the power five schools. Like I mentioned some of those quotes from the article by Brett McMurphy. See, they were all anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, the ADs I've spoken to, I would never betray their confidence. And they know that, um, because they're not looking to grandstand on this. That's not their goal. What their goal is, is to silently intelligently take the data and find practical solutions. They also know what a lot of people don't know. You know, they know the actual numbers of money that needs to come in in order to continue to run uh, certain things at a certain rate. And so they've been pretty hush-hush on this. I know Greg Sankey, for example, is going to be on Paul Feinbaum today, and I don't know how much he's going to reveal. But uh, the school presidents, the ADs, you know, for the most part, a couple of have thrown out quotes here and there, but for the most part, they're just sitting back silently they've got their own think tank going. They're letting various people tell you all the reasons why it will not and should not happen. And they're like, okay, that we don't listen to that. That's they're basing it on their, what in some cases, unfortunately, sadly what they want in other cases. Uh, like I said before, I, I do believe there's a, 
there's a, a sentiment out there from some in our profession that believe like the more cynical and pessimistic you sound, it makes you sound like you're above the fray and, and really just much more um, intellectual than your average person. Huh. Uh, these, the people that are making the decisions, they don't think like that. Uh, they're thinking bottom line, just like businesses have to think bottom line, um, just like governors are forced now. I mean, to, to start thinking bottom line, especially if you want to get reelected. So I think the bottom line is when you look at everything, there are solutions. And to go back to our very first post corona podcast, what did we talk about? Get get the word ideal out of your head. Nothing about this coming season is going to be ideal. I'm a believer there's going to be a Major League Baseball season. Guess what? It's not going to be ideal. It's not going to be 162 games. It's probably going to be 100. It's not going to be played in 30 cities. It might be played in three. Uh, the postseason is going to be different. You're going to have more double headers, which owners hate and, and players aren't big fans of. But you're going to have to do it. And, of course, you're going to have to do it without huge crowds and the same amount of revenues. It's not ideal, but sometimes in life you have to make decisions that are not based on ideal. So nothing about this college football season, when it happens, is going to be ideal. But I do believe it's going to happen. I, I, I think we are trending in that direction. And, I again, I think there's – we all know the first conference that people are going to look at on this is the SEC. I mean, we, we people are going to look at that and, I mean – I tell you, the, the, the school right off the bat that you might have thought was just based on geography, maybe the the lowest chance of announcing they're coming back on campus, the student body, is Missouri. Hmm. They've already said they plan to reopen in the fall. Well, so if the kids are going to be on campus, you can bet Missouri football is going to be ready. Alabama and LSU have already said that. Again, I'm in Atlanta, and despite the reports of what you heard, and there's a big difference. You talked about the difference between Chicago and the rest of the state. There's a big difference between North Atlanta and South Atlanta mm. in terms of everything, including uh, the amount of cases of corona and, and the amount of deaths from corona. Well, there's also a big difference between Atlanta and Athens, which is not too far away from Atlanta, and, and there's no big epidemic going on there. I, I would not be surprised if you see school at Georgia in the fall, at Florida, Gainesville in the fall. Heck, Florida's already opening up beaches again. Orlando is a huge city that somehow has had very, very few cases. In fact, the numbers that were projected on Florida when DeSantis uh, was making the key decisions he did, they were saying Florida was just it was going to be another New York it's actually been per capita one of the safest states. Uh, yeah, and there's a, a ton of elderly people ton. That, are, that are most susceptible to absolutely the virus that live in Florida. Yeah. Right, right. So the amount of misinformation and the amount of people who are giving you this misinformation almost with a smirk on their face, I mean, it, it's, it's really discouraging. But, I, I, again, you just have to block that out as best you can, find the people you trust the most, and, and kind of read the tea leaves, because a lot of the people that are the most trustworthy, again, are not the ones banging the podium and telling you what to think and what's real. So you have to read the tea. When I read the tea leaves, I, I see what I thought all along. Number one, we're in much better shape than we were a month ago on every front. We're more prepared. I mean, now we've got respirators. We're going to start selling them off to other countries. We've got so many of them. Everybody's got masks. 
Well, then the attention turned to what? Testing. And obviously this relates to sports. These players are going to have to be tested before they ever get out onto the field. Is there going to be enough tests? Well, apparently we're churning out like 200,000 of them a day. I'm pretty sure by the time we hit August and September, yes. You notice it didn't take very long for NBA players to get tested. Um, I know it's not a fair assumption to make or maybe not a fair reality that athletes are going to get tested before the common Joe, but that is true. <laughs> Just like I made the analogy, if you tear up your knee tomorrow, JC, well, first you're going to have to set an appointment to get an MRI. That might take a week. Then you're going to have to see how much your insurance doesn't cover. Then you're going to have to be out of pocket this much and that much. And then you're going to wait another few days for uh, how the MRI looked to the doctor. And then you're going to have to – athletes don't do any of that, not even college athletes. Boom, it's done before you get back on the plane. Boom, you already have uh, an absolute verdict on what it is. Boom, you can start rehab or, excuse me, go under the knife in a couple of days and then rehab with the best doctors that money can buy. So, yes, uh, something tells me testing will be available for college football players. But, again, to my original point, you know, there are, what, 130 teams in Division I FBS college football. I'm not so sure that all 130 are going to be able to participate, but that's not going to stop college football from moving on. So that's just how I see it today. You know, maybe in a month from now, uh, God forbid something went south on the direction that we're heading now overall, and maybe that changes everything. Well, I don't think so. Um, I applaud a lot of people that are doing a lot of good work to get us to the to state that we're in now. Um, and I do think enough people want, first of all, take sports out of the equation for a second. A lot of people just want colleges to be open, universities to be open, kids to be able to take classes in the fall. Uh, and I think if that happens, you're going to see the confirmation of, okay, we're opening up our college football is going to be opening up as well. Yeah, I'm with you there. I I think, like I said, I, I believe that, um, you know, just the, the entire way this thing has come about, to me, it, it, it's wearing on people, and uh, it will continue to do so. And, you know, I, I think that you're right. People just want things to be open and go back to normal. I don't, I don't think anybody had a problem quarantining for 30 days. I think there was a legitimate concern this thing was going to spread. There was going to be death all over the place. Um, I don't think anybody worried about it. We all ordered our DoorDash and tipped our drivers and, you know, prayed for our first responders and, you know, all that. But I swear to God, Mike, I mean, you know, I know at least one person that if he continues to see every commercial talking about how we're going to get through this together uh, and then time and time again, the, the, the goalpost keeps being moved to use a metaphor you know, by some of these people, you know, first it was because the hospitals were going to be overwhelmed and then they needed 40,000 ventilators and they only needed 400 and then they needed all this equipment. Well, now they've got it. You know, not a single person in this country has been denied a hospital bed. That's been sick with this. Most hospitals are occupying or operating at, you know, 70% capacity at most, you know, so, so that was the whole thing. Oh, it's going to overwhelm the healthcare system. Well, that hadn't turned out to be the case. And, well, it's actually the opposite. Hospitals yeah. are going out of business yeah. because there's not enough people using them. I know people and people people are, are delaying 
other medical issues, you know, that they have, you know, there's stories of people that, you know, they're at home and had a heart attack and, you know, didn't go to the doctor or had a stroke and didn't go to the doctor because they were scared about getting the virus. So I, I think that there, you know, if you just look at it from a health standpoint, including mental health, and it's funny that all these people that preach mental health, mental health, mental health, all the time, mental health, mental health, mental health, uh, all of a sudden now, they're the ones toting the banner of stay at home and save lives. Stay locked in your house. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. You know, you know, don't go, I, you know, don't go have a beer with your buddies. You know, I mean, you know, I, you know, and depending on how many buddies you're talking about, I've violated that order multiple times. <laughs> um, but I mean, look, it, it, it's sad. It, it's sad in my opinion. Um, you know, kind of the, just the overbearingness of it. And then when we don't see, you know, there's no proof in the pudding. Uh, it's almost like some people were throwing darts at dartboards and then it does get politicized. You know, that, that, that's, that's, to, that to me is what is, what is wrong with the whole thing. And one of the reasons why, okay, if, if you're going to give me a choice between believing BS and continuing to be quarantined just in case when really it doesn't, you know, nobody knows for sure if it matters or not. Uh, give me college football and freedom, uh, and I'll live with the results, uh, even if it affects my own health, quite frankly, because that's what living in this country is all about. So there we have it. We are, uh, uh, I think, closer and closer to a, uh, a verdict here. But again, there's there's been no need for anybody to rush to a judgment. There's been no need, just like there's been no need to guarantee you that there's Everything is going to be uh, hunky-dory and on schedule and just like normal and ideal. There's been no need for somebody. I mean, people in March were saying there's there's just no way there's going to be a football season. <laughs> and now people in April, I mean, there's some of them that are still at it. Um, look, I, I never begrudge anybody for having an opinion. Sometimes I wonder what those opinions are based in. Um, but I just respectfully disagree. And uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm here to tell you, I think we are going to have a college football season. Uh, and, and I don't even think it's going to be in the spring, JC. There, there's a lot. of I, We don't have time to get into all the hangups. Yes, it's better than nothing. But there are a lot of hangups if you have college football in the spring, uh, which when, when we say spring, you couldn't start it later than February. Right. So it's really not the spring. It's really foot. It's really football in the winter. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's so many logistical, financial, other issues with that. The the much better model is to start it a month later in October if you feel like that'll help, if that'll give you more time to figure things out. That can be done fairly easily. Uh, quote, unquote, spring football starting in February, that is a logistical nightmare that will keep ADs, coaches and so many others uh, up late at night wondering how in the hell are we going to pull this off? I realize there are bigger problems in the world, but trust me, uh, they, they want to get this right on all fronts. And that includes uh, being as close to ideal as possible. And, and that would be playing football when it's usually played. And that of course would be in the fall. All right. The other, I mean, if this was, if there was, if this was a normal situation and we weren't in the middle of a pandemic and we weren't sitting here debating on whether or not we're even going to have a season and when this would have dominated sports headlines. 
Uh, it, we've been heading this way, but now the NCAA is just coming right out and saying, hey, okay, athletes can sell autographs, make paid appear- excuse me, appearances, boosters can hire athletes. Let me repeat that. Boosters, which has been kind of like the the buzzword of any allegation, any investigation, any violation for the NCAA for years. What does it normally surround? Boosters, right? Boosters can now hire athletes. Hey, Johnny, want to paint my fence for ten grand? Um, now there's there's they're trying to limit it. No school logos in the endorsements, and and schools can decide on brand conflicts. What do I mean by that? Well, if it's a Nike school, can a kid do a commercial for Adidas? Uh, that's going to be up to the school. So you know we'll we'll see uh, how that how that pans out. Um, I, I got to read th- this is my favorite. Um, and by the way, as I've said many times, I'm not against this per se. I've just always said it's a lot easier to just say, well, let's give them this. Let's give them that. It's a, it's a lot harder to actually think it through and, and apply it properly and to look at the potential problems that it may have, what it's going to have. We're, we're entering the wild, wild West in some respects, mm-hmm. in my opinion, um, when you tell boosters of particular schools, they can go ahead and hire student athletes. Now there's, this is not supposed to be in recruiting JC. This is only supposed to be after they sign wink, wink. I mean, come on. And the way it's supposed to be set up, the school, i.e. the coaches cannot, cannot, uh, be responsible for kind of linking the student athlete with the booster or with the, 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 whoever's going to pay them the money. Now, are you seriously thinking that that's not going to happen? Every coach out there knows where the money comes from. And let's be honest, money's been coming under the table to prominent football and basketball players since as long as this has been going on. Um, are you going to tell me the coaches aren't going to know who to call? To say, hey, can you give Johnny a Camaro? People still drive Camaros. Um, sorry, I was living in the uh, SMU days there. Uh, Corvette, whatever the car of choice is. Okay, it could be an F one fifty, but of course they know that, and of course they're going to facilitate that, and of course it's going to be part of their sales pitch and recruiting, uh, and, and of course, like it's going to be known if you go to school X. You're going to get hooked up with so-and-so, this car dealership, this oil guy, this whatever guy. I, again, personally, I don't even care about – like it's never been my objective in life to stop somebody from making more money or getting more more uh, funds or what have you. Just understand there's going to be a time, whatever school you're a fan of, where this is going to benefit the, your hated rival – and be a disadvantage for you, and you're going to hate it <laughs> when that happens to you. Uh, the rich are going to get richer, and if you're not one of those rich elite schools, good luck competing because that's going to be a real difficult hill to overcome. I tend to agree. I also think that, it, that there could be some weird – uh, things that happen with it. If you're talking about name and image and likeness in terms of markets, you know, if, if, a, if a student athlete's very interested in maximizing those opportunities, you know, does that benefit a Northwestern? Uh, 
or a Rutgers in some weird way or an SMU uh, or Houston or an Arizona State or a Southern Cal um, or UCLA. I mean, those people that are in large media markets, obviously large media markets, more exposure. Now, to me, uh, I think in those megapolises, you know, that college football doesn't play um, as well as maybe it does uh, in certain other places. So you're really not getting that much more exposure. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see if that becomes a selling point for maybe some schools that are located in places where uh, if you're showcased uh, in the media, you you obviously, you know, theoretically have more eyeballs on you, you know. And, And I do think, you know, if you're a rival of the Southern California Trojans, um, you are probably glad that there is now pro football in LA again, <laughs> because that would be one school, Mike, where I think they could take rich advantage of that. Because you know, for the longest time, they were the football team in LA, and you're talking about the second largest you know city in the country. Uh, a large, probably the, I guess it's the second largest media market or the largest media market. Um, and when you are the team, um, and the toast of the town, so to speak, the toast of Tinseltown, if you will, um, your players are going to have a lot of opportunities that maybe they don't, uh, in, in, you know, Auburn, Alabama or or Athens, Georgia or, or Clemson, South Carolina or Tuscaloosa. I mean, that's just a fact. And you better bet your bottom dollar Pete Carroll and his staff would have used that to the nth degree. They were already recruiting well enough across the country. I mean, they they could have turned it into an unfair Alabama-type situation. Um, So so I think that's going to be interesting. But but I agree. I mean, some of these schools and some of these fan bases that, you know, have nice support, but, you know, their boosters aren't exactly, you know – crazy with their money and stuff and they have to kind of go out and raise money and um they don't really have the deep pocketed guys uh that a lot of other programs have you know they're gonna have to step up if they want to win and 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 get recruits um in a big way and i also think what this does is it also it empowers two groups of people that have no business being empowered and i'm not i'm not saying the student athlete because i think i'm all about empowering the student athlete uh, you know, as it as as you see as people see fit and as is fair, but it's going to empower. Who are the agents that we're talking about? Are they going to be real agents, or or is it going to be somebody's cousin that, mm-hmm. that that's going around to businesses soliciting marketing ideas? I mean, what kind what kind of qualifications do you have to have um, to to be a likeness agent? I mean, can, can I move to Columbia? or back to Columbia and, and be the name engine image likeness agent for student athletes in the Columbia, South Carolina area. And basically, you know, funnel recruits to South Carolina because I'm a great agent, you know, could, could, could somebody like me do that? I mean, I don't, I would never do that, but I mean, I'm, I'm just saying hypothetically who are going to be those people and the other right. people it empowers pretty much. And these people do have outsized power. And, and I understand that's just the way it is. It's never going to change it or the boosters. Because now not only are the boosters, do they have your lifeline in their hand in terms of money they give for facilities and, you know, luxury boxes and all this great stuff and prima primo seats and, you know, the band, the band doesn't get to travel. Oh yeah, they do. Here's 15 grand for them to go to Texas or wherever for the road game. You know, the guys you call up if you're an athletic director when you need something, 
these guys now, depending on the business, these guys now are also going to hold the lifeline for the student athlete in their hand. In other words, Johnny Football, and I'm not talking about Johnny Menzel, let's just say Johnny B, think about Johnny B. Good or whatever, you know, if that, if that booster's like, well, you know, I think you should do this and that and the other, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, that all of a sudden that booster now has influence and power over the player. And, and I, and I think that all the ideas always were to, to at least publicly keep this apart. So, um, those are two groups of people. I think this empowers that, you know, are going to have a seat at the table in terms of the conversation as to how a program's run and operated and all that, that, that maybe didn't before simply because, uh, you know, they're directly involved with the well-being of, of, of your players and, and the lifeline of your players. Not all of them, but the ones that can make a difference, nine times out of ten, they will be. Well, you look at two of the key restrictions. Schools or conferences cannot facilitate or help athletes locate or arrange endorsements. Well, that's laughable. Yeah. Uh, coaches are going to they're, – they're already – they've got on speed dial uh, the top ten businesses, boosters – that can go ahead and pay money and and in a roundabout way offer it to re- recruits in the recruiting process and then deliver on that promise once they get on campus. Uh, another one, schools cannot use or allow boosters to use endorsements as a means of paying for enrollment. Well, you don't need to pay for enrollment. You're on a full-ride scholarship. Or participation in athletics. Well, of course they're paying for participation in athletics. Again, well, what what about the true supply and demand? This is artificial demand, folks. Okay, the, the, this is based on. In other words, if I get if I'm a car dealership, uh, and I get the, the the wide receiver that was promised in recruiting, and you get ten thousand dollars from Bo Lewis Ford. Uh, Bo Lewis Ford is not going to sell many cars. Because uh, Johnny Holiday, standout wide receiver out of Sewanee, uh, is is out there holding a sign or doing whatever. I mean, it, it's there's so much of it, it. It's just a roundabout way, and I know we can't. Nobody wants to hear it in these terms, but if you boil it down to the essentials, it's a roundabout way of going back to what it was. Go ahead and watch the Pony XS. It's a great thirty for thirty. Um, it's if you got the ESPN Plus app. Uh, you can go ahead and, and, and watch it uh, if you didn't catch it the first go around. It's a roundabout way to go back to those days. And some might say, if you're really cynical, well, that's going on anyway. Come on, Mike, you can't tell me these kids that are going to the top schools aren't are getting paid anyway. I'm not telling you that they're not. <clears throat> but I'm just telling you now it's now it's different. Because yeah. now you can just be flat out, hey, I'm doing what I, I'm told I can do now. And it, it is going to be, it's it's going to affect recruiting. If you're, you've got to be ultra naive, right, Chase? So you've got to be ultra naive if you don't think this is going to be presented in the recruiting process. That's not what it's intended to be. What, what, the, what the people coming up with the rules want you to believe is this is only going to happen after they arrive on campus. And then if Johnny wants to go ahead and use his name and likeness, uh, pimping a car dealership or a restaurant, then he'll get picked. Come on. Uh, again, you're going to have your every head coach is going to have his top ten guys on speed dial. He's going to what was the name of the guy in Blue Chips? Oh, oh man, yeah, a great actor who's no longer with us. 
Uh, that's a Google. He's uh, yeah. He's uh, I, 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 mean, I was I was actually thinking about this movie the other day. And, uh, it's um, classic two and a half star no, movie. He's a, he's Nick a, Nolte, Shaq, Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway was in it. Um, but but he plays the, the the just scumbag booster. Matt Nover was in it as Ricky Rowe. <laughs> yeah, Matt Nover. The, that the was uh, amazing. Um, and, and, Lucky I, was his name. Lucky. Oh gosh. It's I, Ed O'Neill, Al Bundy was the. Um, I remember that. Was the uh, was the skating reporter. reporter. Um, oh, JT Walsh is happy. Uh, happy. Uh, yeah, and he's still with us. He, he's in the um, he's in the farmers commercials. We are far in the. Oh, no, that's no, JT Walsh, dude. No, that's I, not JT Walsh. I'm that's sorry. No, JT is not with I, us. I was. I, I am dumb for saying that. Good lord. I, I would you're even, giving people false hope that JT is going to be in another film, and the family saying, uh, <clears throat> "JC, he's he's been dead." Yeah, for five he, years. he died in 1998. Actually, so he's been dead 22 years. That guy, that guy in the uh, oh gosh, but yeah, I, I would delete that. I would go back and edit that because it's so embarrassing. Um, well, what people don't know that I but, wouldn't uh, be that embarrassed. But, but um, ha- okay, if you watch that movie. Yeah. We're, 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 we're going to gloss over the fact that you, you, you're it's, it's, resur- resurrecting J.T. Walsh from the I, dead. I got, I got J.T. Walsh confused with J.K. Simmons. Oh, yeah. No, J.K.'s still with us. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah so I'm my bad on that. Bigger and balder and better than ever. <laughs> uh, and a good actor in his own right. So J.T. Walsh, he was in A Few Good Men. He always played kind of a yeah, jerk. A, a, kind of a jerk. Um, and and, and in, in Blue Chips, he was the ultimate just – prototypical scumbag booster who was dirty in every single way. Um, now, some people probably looked at him as a hero. Again, you know, you listen to, to, to some go on the air and continue with the same, bang the same drum, college athletes are exploited, they're indentured servants, or the, you know, <laughs> that kind of language. And and so some people might look at that as, as, hey, this is all good, and who cares? I don't care about the you know, the, the fairness of college athletics. I don't care if everything's on the level. I don't care if competitive balance. I, I, I just want to see everybody get theirs, so to speak. Well, there's going to be a bunch of happies on, on speed dials for coaches of major programs. Yeah. And I, I know what some say, oh, well, well, these kids are going to find out they're not worth half as much as I think they are. Again, it's not true supply and demand. Yeah, nobody, Because uh... <laughs> we're not talking like this is not real business. This is something entirely different, and the schools that have the biggest boosters, you're going to know about it in recruiting. Now, a lot of those schools that already finish at the top anyway have the biggest boosters, so I'm not saying it's going to be a radical change where all of a sudden, for example, uh, because there's a big oil guy at Oklahoma State, and of course, for a while there, they had what's his name, T Boone, who passed away. Uh, that that all of a sudden, Oklahoma State's become become a going to become a top five national power because they've got a billionaire and OU doesn't and blah 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 blah. But it, it is going to affect the very nature of of recruiting and, and overall. I, I'll tell you one thing: it's going to be a lot of fun to cover. I mean, if you thought college athletics wasn't fun to cover now because let's be honest one of the things that is fun about college athletics it's not all hunky-dory it's not all Pollyanna you know most of the great 30 for 30s have been on kind of the sketchy parts of college athletics and there is that that kind of uh, nefarious element to the whole thing 
Well, you are now going to have a lot of stories to cover that, you know, if you're like a beat reporter, for example, if you're uh, covering the Gamecocks for the big spur.com, well, now you better start covering who, who's the big booster over there uh, in the state of South Carolina. Who's going to, who's going to help uh, get name and image likeness uh, advantages going. Same thing at Clemson, same thing at, Texas, same thing at Florida, Georgia, Southern Cal, Tennessee, Michigan, Ohio State. It's on, baby. I mean, it, it's going to be a little wild, wild west. I agree, and it, it's it's going to be interesting to kind of kind of see it. Yeah, I mean, like so. Look, so I'll give you an example of how this is all going to go down. All right, if I'm all right, let's say I'm a Texas booster, and, and let's say hypothetically, I, I won't even use Texas. I'll use Nebraska. How about that? And, um, you know, Zion Williamson's coming out. You know, we really want Zion to come to Nebraska and play for Cornhusker Hoops, right? <laughs> Instead of going to Duke. <laughs> sure. All right, so all right, so I'm sitting there, and I'm Mr. Cornhusker. You know, I go with um, the corn on my head all the time. Basketball, football, baseball. I'm there, and I've, I've got $3 billion in the bank. You know, I, I sold a chain of 7-Elevens and, Banked out. Now, me and my wife just follow the Huskers. And, and you know, we're, we're about 60, 70 or so. And we don't have that much longer to live. And our one kid's spoiled anyway, so we don't want to leave it all to him. And our life is basically Cornhusker Athletics. And, you know, I see Zion Williamson play, even though he's all the way in South Carolina. And our coach kind of has an end with his AAU coach. And, you know, what can we do to get Zion away from Duke? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my buddy that makes bobblehead dolls. And I'm going to say, I will give you X dollars to make 2 million Zion Williamson bobblehead dolls. And we're going to line somebody up through a a shell company, an LLC, to buy all 2 million of them. And we're going to give Zion, you know, $5 out of every single one that we sell, which is perfectly legal. Uh-huh. And the Nebraska Cornhuskers are going to drop $10 million in that kid's lap to spend a year in Lincoln playing in the Big Ten before <laughs> he goes to the pros. $10 million. And you know what, Mike? That's And look, I'm Nebraska fans, I know you guys, I mean, you're not going to cheat, especially in basketball. But, um, you know, it's, I'm just using that as an example. School X is going to have somebody that when they really want a kid – and you have people out there, not everybody has the means to make something like that happen, but the passion is so deep with some of these people and the competitiveness is so deep with some of these people. There's going to be a situation like that. And there's, there's really, there's no cap on it. It just has to be fair market value. Well, if I'm making bobblehead dolls and people keep talking about car dealerships and that's fine. That's probably going to be the standard, but if you're really creative you know, and even though I couldn't put his Husker, put him in his Huskers jersey, hell, I'll put him in his Spartanburg Day School jersey. It's still Zion Williamson, and I'd probably sell about a million of them half outright if he's good enough. But I still got a guy backing me up that's going to buy all million and put him in a shed and have his daughter sell him on eBay <laughs> over time <laughs> if she can. And, and, and that, I'm going to hand that kid 10 million bucks, and there's not a damn thing anybody can do about it. It's perfectly legal. And um, there's going to be your problem right there is that that there are ways with the way this rule is written that, yeah, okay, if everybody is hunky-dory and then plays, you know, above board, which nobody does, 
Nobody does these days. Um, you know, if everybody plays above board, then all should be fair, right? Well, wrong, because there's going to be some, cre- there's already creativity out there, folks. I'm neither confirming nor denying that players get paid. I have no knowledge of that. If you're the NCAA, do not call me and ask me because I'm not telling you because I have no knowledge. But, um, you know, there are creative ways to make things happen on that front already, okay? Just like, you know, you come home from class and your dorm, you know, your dorm or your apartment on campus, there's $1,000 on the table cash, the refrigerator's full of groceries, there's a 47-inch color TV set up or 70-inch color TV set up. You know, a new pair of Air Jordans just happens to be in your size. Where did it come from? I was in class. Who knows? You can't trace it. I mean, which, you know, which yeah. has been going on for for decades. Decades, you know. I mean, and so I'm. T- that's what I'm saying. These people are creative, <laughs> and, and if they can be that creative against the rules, imagine now when they the can rules do are in your favor. Rules. I mean, we're going to see all kinds of stuff. As a person who covers recruiting, I am glad. Since this rule came out, I'm no longer covering recruiting on a national level. I keep up with it. And I talk about it here on the podcast, but that's about it. I don't, you know, I, I, my travel schedule is very limited compared to what it used to be. I don't do the rankings anymore and all that. I am glad because if, from that standpoint, this is going to be a poop show, Mike. It's going to be a complete poop show when you're not only angling, you know, publicly your football program and all that. But you're angling, you know, what kind of financial deal a kid may make at a college. You know, that's a completely different deal. What um, kind of boosters are there that yep. can set up, uh, quote unquote, legitimate business deals to get you paid? And that's going to make the, the, the jobs that are really, really good. If they can do that, if they have that kind of ability, those jobs are going to get even better. Yeah, and then the jobs that you know can't really do it, those jobs are going to get a lot worse, you know, in terms of attracting coaching talent because you're going to run into a situation where, you know, some schools if their folks aren't willing to kind of step it up, they're not going to have a chance, you yeah, because it's over, it's over. You know, there there are the the Ron Myers of the world and all the Southwest Conference coaches back in the early to mid '80s are saying, "Hey, man, I told you this is the way to, this is the way you do it." We had this done back in 84. We we were giving kids transams and we were setting up phony jobs and we were getting mom's houses. Like you, you guys are behind the times. We we had it right. Of course, SMU got in the death penalty and all of a sudden the NCAA decided to crack down on all that and it changed. And then all of a sudden it creeped back in again just in more creative ways. Remember guys remember Albert Means? Oh yeah. Does that name ring a bell? I mean that's a kid who was a Tennessee Mr. Football. Uh, everybody in the country wanted him. He's out of Memphis, Tennessee. And, I mean, there, initially there was talk about 500000 I think the, the closer number was a couple hundred grand that was funneled through a, a, an Alabama booster, Logan Young. Uh, he's, he's no longer with us, right? That's the other. I better not speculate. We've already uh, punted on one unhappy. J.K. Uh, Simmons is playing Logan Young in the Albert Means movie. <laughs> See, it all comes full circle. Anyway, I mean, that story uh, was so outlandish at the time. People couldn't believe the dollar figures and what was going on. 
I, I I hate to say it. Uh, maybe I don't hate to say it. I don't know. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting. I it's would, honestly, Mike, I would rather I would rather go back to the '80s and the days of rampant cheating than than this thing. I mean, and I know you know the capitalist in me, the free marketer in me, definitely thinks kids should be able to do that. But with the way this rule is written. And and in our days, with the hype on recruiting, I mean, there are some fans who would literally rather sign a five star prospect than win a football game. Which which look, (laughs) I've made good money doing that over the years, man. If you want if you want that to have, that's fine. I mean, you know, that's sort of like saying, you know, if you're on Match dot com, that you know, you'd rather her click a like and put a smiley face on your profile than you know to go out and actually have a date. You know, I mean, that, that's just kind of what that's, I mean, that, I mean, if, if that's how sad it is and how sad it's become, that's fine. But, um, you, you know, with the, with the focus on recruiting now, this just makes it even bigger and the stakes even higher. It's already sort of a soap opera. This is yeah. going to get crazy, crazy. So, um, anyway, I, I gotta go, um. I got to go figure out how to uh, call my buddy that could make bobblehead dolls so I can figure out how to make some coin off this. Yes. <laughs> cash, cash in on that idea uh, and see if you can get Albert Means and, and uh, happy to to join you on that. I'll get an Albert Means bobblehead doll. I think you think I could sell that on eBay? I bet somebody oh, absolutely. would buy it. I Absolutely, would buy, I would buy. but you you will not get any help from J.T. Walsh because he's been dead for twenty something years. Unfortunately, uh, so, <laughs> so may he rest in peace because he was a good actor, very good character actor. Um, before we uh, wrap up with some some draft talk, I do want to mention again, uh, proud sponsor of the J.C. Morgan podcast, BP Skinner, BP Skinner Clothiers dot com. Yes, as we get closer and closer to normal, although I got to say. Uh, Brent's been doing good business even during this time. Uh, he's been able to do stuff virtually, let people virtually shop his store. Uh, he's been able to see some folks uh, because he's still a tireless worker. And people still want the very best that they can get when it comes to personal men's clothing. And so if you want the very best, and again, this is this is geography free. In other words, he will come to you. So it doesn't matter where you're listening. It doesn't matter if you can make it to his store or not. He'll pack up his testy, uh, handy, testy, uh, uh, I can't even describe it, just like a, not even a bag, almost like a suitcase, like a big medical bag. I know he came to my house uh, a year or so ago, and, and I did some shopping that way. You just pick out the materials you want. You, you have them custom fit you. It's really good stuff, folks. I mean, I I know you hear that, that kind of stuff all the time when you hear commercials. This is the best. That is the best. I can only tell you, I have uh, for for work and television. I've worn I've worn suits for a long time. I have never had the kind of response that I get when I wear something for Brent Skinner. It's not even close. Uh, it's to the point where I'm starting to just give away. I made a, a nice goodwill run. I gave away about five old suits. Because I just can't wear them anymore. There's nothing wrong with them. But when you stack it up to what this guy puts out, it's just night and day. And at the end of the day, life's too short for cheap beer and cheap suits. So go ahead and check out BP Skinner Clothiers, bpskinnerclothiers.com, and set up an appointment. And, uh, again, not just the suits, the sports coats, the custom shirts, the ties. If you mention you heard it on JC and Morgan, you'll get a free custom-made shirt 
which is a $200 value, and I'll throw in a free tie as well. That's Brent Skinner, BPSkinnerClothiers.com. Um, as I mentioned at the top, the NFL draft came and went. It was a much-needed diversion uh, from Corona talk, and it was a much-needed connection to sports, even though we have no games. This has become business as usual. NFL draft, first three rounds by conference, uh, 12 from the Pac-12, 12 from the Big 12, 17 from the Big 10, 40 from the SEC, 40 players in the first three rounds. So they had more than the Big 10 and the Big 12 combined. I don't know. I mean, this shouldn't come as a big surprise anymore, but what does it say to where they're now getting to the point? It used to be we always would hear recruiting is an inexact science, an inexact science, and it is, but it must be a little more exact, JC, because the SEC clearly is getting who they want. And who they want is turning out to be professional players, which every college obviously wants for obvious reasons. Uh, But these kind of numbers are are staggering and almost disconcerting if you're any of the other Power 5 leagues. Yeah, I I think that that would be where the concern would be more so than any sort of validation or otherwise of of the star rating system. Look, and there's no doubt the, the star rating system really has always hit when you look at it, because you have, you know, in a recruiting class, you have 32 five stars, probably have, you know, about, you know, 464 stars, very small percentage of the thousands that go on to play college football. Um, and so percentage wise, you know, if you look and see like the, the percentage of five stars and four stars that get drafted, um, they are higher within those ranges than three stars, although there are more three stars that do get drafted numerically. In other words, you know, you have 110 out of 2,000, you know, in that range. And the, but then you may only have like, you know, 70 out of 400 or whatever, and, and, and so that's a higher percentage. And then the five stars may be 16 out of 32, 17 out of 32, which is 50%, um, which for a recruiting ranking done by people that – do not have the resources to scout like the NFL franchises do. I think it's phenomenal when you're talking about individual talent. What I do think, too, is that by and large on a grand scale because of the way the SEC programs recruit, um, that there is more talent in the SEC. Uh, There's a reason Mike Leach, you know, Mississippi State, I don't think has signed a top 25, top, or I'll, I'll back this up, top 20 recruiting class in years. Yet, they've had the talent in the toughest division in college football to win seven, eight, nine games, sometimes ten. There's a reason Mike Leach said, okay, I'm going to take the Mississippi State job because there is more talent here. People laugh. They're like, well, Leach can't recruit. Well, they can't recruit for you guys that are out there that, you know, like I said, you're on Match.com and you'd rather get a smiley face than go on a date. You know, no, he's he's always going to rank lower than you in recruiting. But the the thing is – is that his 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 pond is more filled with fish, <laughs> you know? So he he may go get the you know th- there are better athletes that would be if they weren't in Mississippi or Louisiana or, or Alabama or Tennessee or, or Texas those places Mississippi State can go recruit. If they were in the state of Oregon, they'd be four and five star guys. Could they'd be at the top of the the, the state? They'd be the best players in the state. 
you know? And that's what Mike Leach means by that. He hit the nail on his head on the head in terms of, you know, we can go get talent there that we can't get at Washington State because of proximity. And he's absolutely right. The SEC cannot help geography. And when they added the state of Texas um, into the league with the addition of A&M, it opened the floodgates for every school to go. And look, I'm not saying nobody from Texas ever went to an SEC school before. No, they didn't. But, you know, you had to be at LSU. Arkansas did a good job over there. You know, Alabama would go sneak over there and get guys when Saban first got there. But when A&M came into the league, I mean, it's, you got Texas kids going to Ole Miss. You got Texas kids going. And, and so it's more of an SEC state. So within the footprint now, you not only have the number four state for talent, which is Georgia, the number two state for talent, which is Florida, you now have the number three state for talent, which is Texas. And, and the only reason California and, – and now – when you look at it, when you look at the top players from California, a good many of them head south. And so um, that's not surprising to me. And, and I, I'll tell you, if I am some of those other leagues, I am concerned because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there scratching my head. You know, if you're the Pac-12, you're concerned that, you're, the, you know, California is the, the talent breadbasket of the Pac-12. And there's a mass exodus east, particularly to the southeast. You know, I, I'm worried about that. You know, if I'm a Big Ten school, and I think the Big Ten's a heck of a conference, and I think that people in the South that, you know, want to shoot down the Big Ten and say it's not good football, I think they're wrong. Um, but, but you have to be concerned because your states, where, where your footprint's located, even though it's the entire northern fourth of the country, you know, they're losing population right now. You know, and population's a direct correlation, with the exception of the state of New York, uh, to talent production in football. Um, so, so you're concerned what's going to happen when even more kids go south and they want to stay south, you know. And, and so, I, I do think that it, from that standpoint, if you're another, if you're another league, and, and if you're the ACC too, outside of Clemson, I think those numbers are very, very disappointing. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, you're kind of trying, scratching your head, trying to kind of maybe figure out how to how to even the the playing field talent wise. Um, not that it's not even right now, because I think we're still in a good competitive balance, but you can see it coming, Mike, that if this continues, you know, like we have in the ACC, we got Clemson and the 13 Dwarves, you know, it may end up being that, well, there's every SEC team, uh, and then you start with the next group, you know, and, and that would be, I don't think that's good for the game. It's not the SEC's fault. They can't help geography. But I don't think I don't think that's good for the game, and but but I don't particularly know how you solve it. Uh, I don't think I mean I don't think you do solve it. I think it just is what it is. It's not as if there's going to be a uh, you know a task force to to <laughs> promote more equity in college football. It is what it is. Now I mean, of course, there are exceptions to the rule. We've talked about Clemson a number of times. Did you see what Ohio State? I mean, how they were represented in the draft? Basically, the top three players in that draft either came from Ohio State or you had, in the case of Joe Burrow, someone who transferred out of Ohio State because he wound up uh, squished out of a a numbers game by by, uh, Dwayne Haskins, who was a first-round draft pick in the NFL. And next year, Justin Fields is probably going to be a first-round draft pick, if not a top-ten pick uh, to the NFL. I mean, my goodness. First of all, what Urban Meyer did – you know, you, yeah, it's sick. Burrow, Young, 
uh, Akuda, Arnett, Hamilton, Jonah Jackson. These are all guys that go in the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, with all due respect to Coach Day, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer's got to go down as one of the. I know he's a flawed guy, right? He's he's not going to win any benevolent awards, but he he's got to go down as one of the best recruiters of all time. Oh yeah, and as far as building a roster too, I mean Damon Arnett was a three star player. You know, I mean they, they he was actually committed to South Carolina for a hunk of the process uh, under Steve Spurrier, and then Urban Meyer came in late and they flipped him first round draft pick. Check this oh. out though, Mike. Of of these players, and 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 Maryland is in the Big Ten footprint. Maryland's still sort of. You know, talent production-wise, up there is the D.C. area. It's right there kind of on the border of the south. Uh, so I won't include Chase Young, but he is from Maryland. You, you look at the guys that they got drafted. They got 10 players drafted. Um, and four of them, 40% of these guys now, and three of the top four guys in the round, if you include Young as not being from the north, um, four out of four, uh, are, are from the SEC footprint. You got Grand Prairie, Texas, Fort Lauderdale, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, a school I know you're familiar with, LaGrange, Texas, um, North Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, with K.J. Hill. Uh, yeah, and yeah, they did a good job of um, going into Minnesota and getting the best of the best in Cornell, Jordan Fuller out of New Jersey, um, and then some Ohio kids. Ohio still has really good football but Where was J.K. Dobbins out of? J.K. Dobbins, LaGrange, Texas. He was a okay. He was a Texas kid. And he was a second know, round pick. Second round pick, and uh, you know their 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 first pick from the state of Ohio, which again, great football in Ohio, was Devon Hamilton in the third round, pick number seventy three overall. So, you know, you just sort of look at it, Mike, and you're like, well, you know, the, the, these guys, the further south you get, the more talent there is. And Urban Meyer was very masterful at blending a good base of Ohio talent. Uh, and I'm telling you, the ones he missed on all went to Kentucky to play for Mark Stoops. People want to know why Michigan State's struggling? Look at Kentucky. Um, mm. Because there is underrated talent in Ohio. Um, getting a good base, signing the best of the best that he thought was the best, going and plucking guys out of New Jersey and Minnesota and all that, and then going south. And they went south, and man, you know, uh, you, you know that they there's a lot of guys from down south up on that roster. And that's why Ohio State, when you look at them compared to other Big Ten schools, they look a little different, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's an SEC. I remember getting into a debate. I was on a show, and Ohio State was about to play, might have been Clemson. And the guy said, well, Mike, I mean, it's just a Big Ten team. They're, they're too slow. I said, no, 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 no. no they, they have plenty of speed. The, the Ohio State, this is not your thick ankle team. This is not the traditional, stereotypical Big Ten team. That's an SEC team playing in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. which is what Clemson is playing in the ACC, which is what Florida State, now that they have a living, breathing coach, will probably become again in the ACC. Uh, Michigan potentially could be that in the Big Ten. Southern Cal potentially could be that in the Pac-12. And, you know, we're all just waiting to see what the heck Texas is, is going. Well, I mean, heck, now you can just – I don't know. You buy them uh, three million bobbleheads for the next uh, quarterback out of 
Texas yep. and t- teach from the Longhorns and come on over to Austin. Call my bobblehead guy, Tom Herman. He can help you. <laughs> he, he's the best. He's the best bobblehead guy. He's some, the best. Some would say the outstanding. Some would say an amazing bobblehead guy. Yes, amazing. Is that Carl Spackle? Is that how you morphed into, or is that Lou Holtz? I can't tell sometimes. It's kind of a Lou Holtz, Donald Trump, Carl Spackle combination. Okay. Oh, wow. Holtz, Trolls, Ackle. Trolls, Ackle. That is a good hybrid. That is a good hybrid. Uh, well, uh, time for us to wrap it up. I think we've covered a lot today. And uh, again, to circle back to the uh, the top, you living in Chicago, things are things are okay. You're not. It's not apocalyptic. No. Uh, I am in the state of Georgia, which has been in the headlines. I can tell you, nothing has changed in uh, in my little uh, conclave here in North Atlanta. Uh, I don't think of any tattoo parlors are open. I still can't get a haircut. Most restaurants are closed. Uh, most people wear a mask when they go inside somewhere. And most of us have been able to stay healthy. And God willing, most of you out there listening will be able to do the same. So we hope that we have continuing positive news to bring you each and every week here on this podcast. For JC, it's Mike saying so long. Stay safe, stay sane, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>